This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Renegade Report. I'm Jonathan. And Ramon is present. And we actually listened to the fans. They wanted a last show for the year. Yeah, and, we, we said goodbye last and week. This one and even did it, like really? the Merry Christmas thing. And like, you know, and, and now here we are again. So uh, we have someone in studio. No. He's not actually being interviewed no, by us. He yeah. just happened to walk you in. Just, you just like pick up any like stray off the street. It's just, it's unbelievable. Well, he's not a puppy. He's a human being. So um, his <laughs> name is Stray. Stray. Look at this guy. Nicholas, welcome. <laughs> Thank uh, you very just much. Introduce oh, yourself, please. Yeah, just go for it. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Nick, uh, Nicholas Babaya, and I write for the Rational Standard, South Africa's only libertarian media outlet. In addition to that, I'm also a student at Rhodes University. Uh, so you can't argue the stray comment. I mean, well, seriously. I don't understand. Are you implying that Rhodes is, students are strays? <laughs> is this or is this not Johannesburg? Look, what are I'm you not, doing here? I'm not saying that's incorrect. <laughs> But I need some substantiation. Well, Rhodes by itself is fundamentally the reason why the, the media is so shit in this country. Because most of them go there to study well, Straight to the heart of it, Ramon. Straight to the and, heart of it. Uh, and Anton Harbour, whatever his name was, the professor. The Anthony Garman. Oh, yes, her too. She's terrible. Yes. So anyway, the reason why is the media terrible? is shit is because people like you pay Rhodes. To, to give rubbish degrees to journalists. Well, you know what, Ramon? I'd like to dispel one rumor here. Okay, so we've sp- – obviously on this podcast, you guys have spoken a lot about the sort of dire circumstances of our universities, and it's it's not without a good reason. Look, it's, it's complete nonsense what is going on in some places in this country. Um, but with that said, you know, one of my majors is Chinese. I got no ch- problems with my Chinese lecturers. They're awesome. So I think – Because if they cause trouble, they'll be executed. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just talking about white people. <laughs> I plan to live in China one day, so I don't want to say anything bad. But that being said, I think we should start making a bit of a distinction between various faculties. And I think the thing which I've recognized recently is that all the SJWs tend to be quite localized to the humanities. Now, there's a guy called Eric uh, Brett Weinstein. Yes. who was at Evergreen State mm-hmm. College. I'm sure people who listen to this podcast. His brother's Eric Weinstein. Eric Weinstein's his brother, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he made an interesting comment. He said that he thinks the sciences are coming next because the whole thing with uh, uh, when you teach biology is that you have to teach certain things about differences between these in the biological sex between male and female. And this obviously doesn't exactly go down too well if you write for everyday feminism or yeah. if you're a sociologist. Well, or you can't have binaries. That, that's uh, that's also you know Except, because binaries are oppressive. No, they do have binaries: white, evil, black, not evil. People. Yes, I mean, Ramon, I, I never said they were consistent. I just oh, said. Right. <laughs> yes, when you reject logic, you can make statements like this. Logic? We don't use that. Can I just ask how a libertarian wants to live in China? Well, you know, I visited China this year, and I think they're more free in certain aspects than in South Africa, which sounds crazy, but I think that in other ways, South Africa is more free than them. And I'll explain. I think they've got a freer market than we do. I bought hard liquor at 11 p.m. from some random dude on the side of the road. And I could drink it in public if I wanted. Okay, you can smoke wherever you want. You know, I suppose within reason, not on private property. If you, the guy's house you're at doesn't want you to is, smoke. Is but. that though? Is is it because you're like this? I mean, you are quite well. You're a bit, you're a bit of a giant. So, <laughs> is it because you're like uh, quite intimidating to the average uh, Chinese policeman? No, and and also what? <laughs> 
No, uh, it's, his, it's, it's not his, white. It's his privilege, um, Jonathan. So, so is 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 any Chinese guy who goes out at eleven o'clock at night, buys some booze, and gets drunk on the street? That's perfectly acceptable. No, no, I think I'm, I'm not saying that. I, I'd say, you know, when it comes to this, is what I'd say is the big difference between a country like China and a country like South Africa. In South Africa, we have a great deal of civil liberties. We can travel wherever we want. Uh, you know, our constitution gives us the right to freedom of speech and freedom of association. And those kinds of things are not nearly as uh, evident in China. But with that being said, uh, ever since 1978, in which China uh, introduced their economic reforms, their market has become incredibly competitive and, and the Chinese people have become incredibly hardworking. And I, I, the, the example of this I love to use is I was in Beijing at 11 p.m. in a shoe shop. Now, name me one shoe shop in Johannesburg which is open at 11 p.m. You know, well, I mean, to be fair, in Europe, a lot of the shopping centers are open till about midday. But, but you're saying they've embraced and capitalism. They have very much embraced markets. Yeah. Is what I'd say. I don't like to use the word capitalism. And, and what, because, yeah. wh- wh- why do you think it is that they've embraced uh, the idea of, of personal responsibility? Because uh, that's what you're saying. They're hard workers, right? Yes. Yes. And uh, does China have a welfare state? Uh, I. I don't want to answer that question just because I don't know too much about yeah. it. I do know that private... No, we're not interviewing. It's a solo show. You yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Whatever you of want. course, but I don't want to say something that's wrong and then get yeah, no, well, you, you my know. visa canceled. Absolutely. Or lambasted by our, our listeners. That would be worse. Yeah, that would be terrible because I write with some of them. Uh, <laughs> but... Sorry, what is your question? I've forgotten already. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just wondering yeah. the difference between, oh, you know, most South Africans, uh, not, that's a terrible generalization. Jeez. We, <laughs> we have a, we have a problem, uh, as Chris Hart once mentioned with entitlement, uh, and that seems to seed into our work ethic, into what we believe the government should do for us versus what we should be doing for ourselves. Uh, you know, and then you have all these savior complexes. You know, Cyril's going to save us, and Jacob's yeah. going to save us, and Helen and Moosey, and you know, none of these people are going to save you. So, what what's different in China? It's just your perception of it, not necessarily the facts. Well, I think that is a very big difference in China, at least from the. Uh the impression that I got is that instead of here in South Africa, we expect the state to do things for us as a general, you know, as a big generalization. I don't personally, but lots of people do in China. Well, the state set themselves up for that. So I think oh, it's, it's the man answer the question. Don't in I think? China, Absolutely not. Because of their rampant nationalism, they are an extraordinarily, na- they put America to shame when it comes to nationalism. I saw 20,000 people in Beijing and Tiananmen square, watch a flag rise at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm not joking. Under under gun? Um, no, no, what? no. This is this is a thing. People uh, that's from psychopathic. All, well, it was bizarre. I've never seen anything Psychos. quite like that. But they, the tour guide said, "You got to see this." Yeah, and we were like, "This is weird." Well, we've had the <laughs> argument for nationalism on the show before. I know you don't buy it. No, I don't buy it either. But what I'd say is that when you have that kind of rampant nationalism, I think it it it's like John F. Kennedy said: "Ask not what you can." What your country can do for you, you can do for your country. but rather what you can do for your country. And look what happened to him. They got shot in the head. Yeah, but, so, you, you but they still got to the moon. Right. Uh, and, way afterwards. You yeah. know, John F. Kennedy remains good in my books because of the Cuban Missile Crisis. So I'm going to let him I just on. like him because he did drugs and shagged anyone in his way. I mean, well, I think, I think we have fundamental. Sorry, Ramon. Was, hashtag me too. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> they all Excuse dead. me. Do not invoke someone who has caused such a pressure All his victims women. are dead. But back to my broader point. He was also Winston. a cis white male, Ramon. He was a cis well, white male. Of. But my broader point was how 
in in back in those days, in the sixties or whenever it was, it was quite normal for the president to be this philanderer. Like I wonder where the conservative creeped in, where the president has to be married to one woman for the rest of his life and never, you know, touch the cigarette. Like Obama, you know, was the epitome of that like white supremacist Puritan work ethic American way of doing things, right? He quit smoking. He had <clears throat> two daughters by the same woman. These women, his wife, sorry, not his woman. His wife. I was do know one of our listeners who argues that, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, does he? Okay. Yeah. I mean, Obama's like the pure conservative Puritan American. And I wonder why Kennedy was not. And people knew quite well. He shagged everyone that moved and took a lot of drugs and, that didn't impede him from being president. Perhaps what's happened now recently is that, as certainly in U.S. politics, there's now more of a politics of the cult of personality. And I think we're seeing this with Trump. The thing I hated the most about the 2016 election is that I saw otherwise really intelligent conservative political commentators become total hacks and shills for Trump. They would defend him no matter what he did. Are you subtweeting us on our own show? Yeah, I think he what might you, be. What are you? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> are you talking about us, but saying it's other people? No, no, I'm being serious. I'm talking about Sean Hannity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> as an example. He's as principled as a foam. Yeah, Sean. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Sean Hannity, but this is why I like Ben Shapiro so much, because he's an incredibly principled conservative. Even, though, think, even though he's Jewish. <laughs> uh, there you go. Triggered, Ramon. I am, I am personally triggered. Can we, can we, Hashtag BDS, hashtag Ramon. Uh, hashtag Jerusalem. Um, let's talk about this year because they've been like, I, yes. I don't know what we can remember. It's been, it's been nuts. I, you keep posting on Facebook that you don't want the year to end because there's stories like my transgender lover broke his died, penis. died, broke my penis when he died while I was inside of him or some. And now you're seeing the parents. Yes. Or something. Yeah. Or the wife. Yeah. The I wife. mean, when I, else would you have a, uh, if that headline was done five years ago, you'd be like, this is the onion on steroids. But no, it's, it's the Sunday Times. Well, it's not, a, not only the onion. You'd also kind of wonder about the, the people involved. You'd be like, what the hell is going on here? But, but we've had some, okay. So we had nuts. We've had, we've had Trump gets elected. Fine. We, we, we've been over that many times. Uh, we had in January, they, uh, were marching against him, right? So he has his, um, uh, Women's March in, Inauguration Yeah, He has his inauguration He gives that really dark Sort of inauguration speech You know um, Kind of A bit a bit strange and, and something from like From Stranger Things Actually It's it's, it's kind of weird um, And then And then the next day The women all march On the, the same day The, the women's march uh, You know Harvey Weinstein was there And, and Linda all Sosa. the uh, Linda Saussure <laughs> Was sure. there Kevin Spacey the, was in the bathroom All the people that That really do um, You know Stand up for the rights Of Of, uh, of the right people And uh, Do the right thing always um, So they were all there Meryl Streep was there Unfortunately Roman Polanski Couldn't join her <laughs> Um, cheap as you guys um, are. It's the last show of the year. I'm not holding back. Um, so that happens. Uh, a big march, I think, uh, d- decent size. You know, the crowd was actually big, unlike Trump's inauguration. Yeah. Nice hat. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but they were marching for rights that they already had, which they think they didn't. Yeah, have. and also so it was a bit remember, it was the beginning of the year, and the the media had told us um, that. And Apple was a banana and that Trump was going to put people in concentration camps. If you were gay, if you were Muslim, uh, 
you know, and and then of course there was all the the, the stuff around around illegal immigrants. So and that's happened the whole year. And then Trump's been nuts. And it's funny because I was thinking the other day about. The nutty things he's done where we've been like, no, he, he can't be any more crazy than this, right? So you remember he when he points to CNN in that conference, news conference, like two weeks in, and he goes, you are fake news, right? And, uh, I think that may have been BuzzFeed, or was it CNN? No, no it I think was it was CNN. CNN. Was it CNN? And okay. then, um, no, his war is against CNN, which is quite hilarious, actually, because I think MSNBC might be more against him. Yes, but may I quickly interject on that point? Yeah. The reason why he hates CNN so much, yeah. uh, Ben Shapiro mentioned this, and I'm sorry, I like Ben Shapiro. No, it's fine. I like he Ben Shapiro, this. too. That, uh, Ramon's the only anti-Semite in the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah? Go back to Ramallah. <laughs> I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that. But uh, no, what Ben Shapiro said is that MSNBC is very openly has a liberal bias. Just of like course. just like Fox News very openly has a conservative yeah. bias. CNN pretends to be neutral, and they pretend to be neutral very, very badly. And because of that, that really pisses conservatives off in America. Yeah, and I think they're right to be pissed off by no, that. I understand that. So, okay, so, so he, he on a ra- no, listen, on a rating from one to ten, yeah. how would you rate Trump's first year? I give him Wait, like about we- a six and a half. He hasn't done anything absurd. Wait, before we get there, no. I just want to, I want to finish this point, though. Yeah, yeah okay, finish. The point is, he points at them and goes, fake news. And then, I don't know when it was, then he does that gif that he tweets, that that gif where um, uh, he is like uh, clotheslining someone in the WWE and they've put CNN on the head of the guy. And then CNN calls it actual violence. Um, <laughs> no, and, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, what did they say? It's a very huge impediment to freedom yeah. of speech in this country. And or freedom he, of media, I sorry. Think then he called North Korea's dictator uh, Rocket Man. Um, that was great. And, <laughs> and a pathetic little, and he says he doesn't call King Jong Un a pathetic little loser. And, and not, he would and never fat. will. And he, ne- and he would never call him a fat little loser or something. And then like that. he retweeted that, that gif where, he, where he, he's got the golf swing and the ball hits Hillary as she yeah. falls over. Also violence, apparently. Um, and then so, there was Jada Franson as well, who from Britain first, who he retreated. Oh, yes. Oh, well, obviously that caused major. So three videos, one which was bullshit, the other two which were actually legit, one which showed gay people being thrown off the roof. But Trump tweeting it is the biggest problem and the person who put the video online. Anyway, so it's been a crazy year in that sense. And now we can get to the fact that it doesn't matter what he does. Uh, he can just carry on being crazy, and you give him six and a half out of ten, Ramon. No, well, his trolling game, I give him at least 11 out of 10. As for policies, I think some of his policies are pretty good. The regulations, where every new regulation must uh, yeah, he pulls away to too. others. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, he's created a, a few more jobs. Okay, yeah, the wall's not built yet, but it will Tax come. reform? Tax reform's good. Tax reform's coming through. Obamacare's sort of like shelved for two years. I think what he wanted to, he, he pulled out of Paris. He pulled out of the NAFTA, I think. So what he said he will do, like he's like doing. Yeah. And I, that is a lot more than most other presidents look, in the first year. I, th- I think the other point to make is that, and it would be hard to quantify, but there, there is some data to show that the American government has shrunk over the last year. Uh, so – and I'm talking about in absolute numbers of people. So you'll see reports, for example, that the State Department hasn't yeah. hired a whole bunch of new people and they fired a whole bunch of people when Rex Tillerson took over. That means the government is fundamentally smaller. Now, you may find that a problem because you'll go, well, America needs to, you know, be part of the world's sort of government and needs to tell the world how to act. Um, but the question is, do you need thousands of people to do that? Maybe, maybe not. Um, the other people who left, um, the government, because they didn't like the fact that Trump was their boss, essentially. 
uh, and that's uh, that's also shrunk the government. So that's done a lot of good, mm. I think. Um, and so what, what we, as bad? we always say on the show, smaller government, better. Well, yeah, but what bad has happened? Thanks to Trump, I can't really. He's unlike anything the American presidency has ever seen before. Um, whether that's a good or a bad thing, I'm still trying to decide. I can't really make up my mind. You know, when he he, he sends these funny tweets like the GIF with the WWE thing, <laughs> it's just it's funny. And but it's like not really the thing you'd expect from a U.S. president. No, but I, that's the thing, though. Yeah. Why yeah. do we expect the U.S. president to be some? This is your JFK thing. No, but 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 no, but really now. Sorry for interrupting. No, you. go ahead. So the people on the on the east and west coast of America, commonly called the elites, they work in in, in journalism. They are all taught to speak in a certain. They're not taught to speak, but they are. They speak in a certain way. Mm-hmm. They try to make sense. They try to be erudite. The working class and the middle class of the U.S. have a different way of speaking. And Trump has that way of speaking. When he speaks, he means what he says. He doesn't like, he doesn't have, he's not erudite. He doesn't try to, you know, have flowery language, <clears throat> excuse me, about anything. He says, when he says build the wall, like if I can build the wall, that's exactly what it means. There's no like, it's not, it's, it's not, not this whole long, oh, it's not metaphor. in time, there would be yeah. a barrier that yeah. would need to be looked at, you know, to and face the challenges we have of yeah, that all, type of bullshit. All that bullshit. He doesn't do that. Like when Jacob Zuma, you give him the mic and he says, if I was dictator for six months, I would do this. You believe the guy. He, there's, there's, there's no reason why he would lie. Well. Well, uh, ooh, we need to be careful there because he has lied several times. No, only under. But if you give if you give him time to speak, and you, it's always in KZN and it's always in Zulu. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm talking about Trump and Zuma, but yes, know, Trump lies all the time. I think, however, Ramon's uh, hit onto a very interesting point there, and that is American conservatives have traditionally had the problem of not arguing in moral terms like American liberals have done. So Bernie Sanders goes, "The banks are stealing all your money." It's the banks. That's pretty good. The that's, banks that's good, are the problem. The 1%. The 1% is stealing your money. We have to regulate them. And people get riled up by this because they feel downtrodden and there's a guy talking in moral terms here. Now, what conservatives will do traditionally in response is go, yeah, well, my fiscal policy will mean that our GDP will grow at a faster rate in yeah, the but, first quarter, but, but, which well, is useless. Perhaps. But, but, but now we've got a, a situation where you've got you know Jimmy Kimmel – Going oh, on his geez. show and uh, using his child as a literal prop. No, but this is a um, tangent. It is a, no, no. It's got a, it's got a point, uh, which is which is the the issue is is they are, that's the moral argument. You know, you must save my child, which would have been saved anyway with without the thing he was talking about. Um, but but it's it's there's no you can't have this like factual like actually. But this is. The, the, the reality. It's like net neutrality. That's another yeah. thing that's now come up this year, right? Ooh, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, most people have no understanding of net neutrality whatsoever, including the fact that net neutrality as a policy doesn't exist in most countries around the world, did not exist in the United States till 2015. The entire growth of Google, Apple, the, the internet, uh, Netflix, everything happened without net neutrality. They did not charge you extra. To have those services because anyone who does will be 
moved out of the market very quickly. Um, the only argument against this is in some states where there's only one provider, and let's let me tell you why that happens: government yeah. regulation. I mean, the Precisely. problem the problem is lack of competition, not because the government has laws in place that make it too difficult to compete. Yeah. Same in South Africa, why we don't have fifteen cell phone providers and only have three? Because uh, must tell you if you're allowed to operate, you know, because there's all right, these but rules. Now we're getting a bit distracted. So out of ten, Trump. Personally, troll game like twelve out of ten is is a god. No, he's trolling. trolling. trolling is unbelievable. In terms of policies, he's like a, a good seven. And in in terms of increasing polarization and distrust of the state, like <laughs> fucking twenty out of ten, man. Which is exactly what I want. So I'm very happy with him being president for now. What do you think, Nick? So this is. I'd also. I'm going to have to give him ratings on various different sure. uh, parts of the government. Foreign policy. I think he's done very well. Mm. I think sometimes we underestimate how really evil North Korea is, and he's really get taken it to them. I would recommend anybody reading this book called The Girl with Seven Names, which is the biography of uh, Hyun So Lee, who was a North Korean defector. Mm. Um, after I read that book, maybe it's just because I'm emotional after reading that, but North Korea needs to be freaking obliterated. Not the people. I'm saying it, the government of North Korea. Yeah, the, uh, the concept. Of the that. concept of having a you know a country like that in the 21st century, oh, you know, is the current year argument, but is insane. And I think you know the sooner we we get rid of the 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 Kim dynasty, so, so the current year argument it might not be a, a fair approach. Sorry, sorry. You want a rate? I want a rate. Okay, I want right. a rate. Okay, foreign policy. I'm going to give him. I'm going to give him an eight on foreign policy. Domestic. I'm going to give him. A seven because he's generally done good things, but not a whole lot. He could have done more. Um, trolling game, come on. Trolling game. You know what? It's been funny. <laughs> I'm going to give him a nine. Um, but I have to say one big negative is I think in general the country has become extraordinarily polarized, and I don't think that is an overall and long-term good thing for America. I think it's a fantastic thing. Right, but you're also a nihilist. No, I'm not. You're not a nihilist. No. He's an anarchist. I have I have feelings as well. Well, no, not nihilist. No, that's not what a nihilist In, is. Increased political polarization <laughs> means things can't get done. Okay, okay, but then you like that because that just undermines the state. I'm afraid I still have a vested interest in having at least a very small state. Uh, but to give an example. And can I just point out yeah. that at the level that America is at, when they have a government the size that they have, when things can't get done, it also means the government can't be can't get smaller. de-escalated. Right. Because you, you, so you can't, can't get bigger, which is, has always been the case. It only grows, you know, Jonathan sure. Witt. It, it can't get bigger, but you can't decrease. remove something like Obamacare, for example. Well, exactly. And that's and the problem. Now, Obamacare just sitting there is harming more and more people. They should have repealed it already. And, and you know, I, I think they should just replace it with the free put market. Put a better fucking deal in place. Man. They, they want, the deal they got is shit anyway. And, that's the, thing, and that's the thing with Republicans. They're yes. like, Obamacare is evil. And then the Republican constituents act, no, but I'm like 65 and Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act is like really cool. What do you think about Obamacare? Oh, that's evil. You know, that's called the Affordable Care Act and you're using it, right? So they get lazy and despondent and then they put in a watered down version of Obamacare and then, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rand Paul says, Rand Paul this is bullshit. It's the same thing. And then it doesn't pass. So put in, just repeal completely and then it might get repealed. Yeah, I mean, that's what they tried to do. It wasn't Rand Paul's fault, actually. It was John McCain. Not just John McCain, but... The, the, okay, well, it, it was a very complicated set of events that happened, yes. that, which led to ultimately them giving up on health, health care for now. But right. the, the fact is, I think Rand Paul and the more conservative Republicans in the Senate were right not to vote uh, on the Obamacare light, as they call Completely it. agree with you. More polarization within the Republicans. Excellent. Jonathan, rating for Trump. 
Sure. Um, overall, I probably give him a seven out of ten, um, and I think I, I think you need to look at it in the context of eight years of Obama, who I think was quite poor as a president. Um, I think he was a great celebrity. I mean, if you want to have a celebrity as your president, great guy. Uh, but if you want to have someone who who actually wants to get things done, and you know, people, this is the problem. This is the problem with the media we have is that Trump does stupid things and he does things wrong and he does lie, um, but he does other things that are superb. A year ago, uh, we w- would have been having this conversation about bombs that had, were going off in Belgium, in France. Um, uh, in uh, Egypt, you, you know, uh, in Nigeria, in Somalia, etc. Yeah. That was ISIS, um, and that was the influence of ISIS and Islamic terrorism worldwide. Uh, Trump has destroyed that. No way, and, Putin has. And well, far more than in, Trump. In in part, in part, um, but that required. Uh, Trump to come to the table and basically work together. The, the American and Russian military had to work together to make that happen. Uh, and essentially, Islamic State last year was a big country. They, they were they were actually a big country. A caliphate. Um, the caliphate was large, and they no longer exist, essentially. Well, they're out of Iraq. And you're not going to get rid of them because it's an ideology, and we've discussed this before. But as a group, as an organized group, they have essentially been decimated. And that is that is Donald Trump's doing. Um, I think uh, – look, I think on foreign policy is where he really scores. I think the Jerusalem yeah. thing was excellent. Um, of course you would. Absolutely. But uh, I, also, I also think uh, <laughs> listening to the democratically elected Congress who tell you to do something and then ignoring it if you're Bill Clinton and ignoring it if you're George W. Bush and, if, and ignoring it as Barack Obama – and then Trump actually just does it. So I, I, uh, I, I think that was my, my favorite fallout from that was, um, I think was it Hamas or Palestinians said they're going to have a night of terror or they have a term and they're like, Oh, look, you see what Trump has done. He's created this. And like, it's happened four times this year. They've called this like four times already. Yeah. So do my, think my favorite part weird? was people trying to throw Molotov cocktails and setting themselves alight. So I quite enjoyed that. Um, but, but. Yeah, I think he's been, I think he's been quite good on the foreign policy, uh, component. He pulled back a lot on the fucking with free trade, which I think was important. Yeah. And he hasn't done that. And yeah, I think domestically, some issues, the polarization, perhaps, I, I think America was polarized before they went to the polls. I mean, you had a, a, a woman running for the presidency call half the country deplorable. So, well, half of Trump's supporters, I mean, that, that's a, if you read, if you see what she said, it's at least half of Trump's supporters okay. are deplorable. 25 million people. Uh, you know, Bastards, it's, a, yeah. it's a large group. Um, so I, I think, I think that was there. I think some of the foreign, the domestic stuff's been good. The tax reform has to go through 20% tax on companies as against 35% tax. America's economy is going to boom. Uh, well, it already has for the past. In, in addition six, to this, uh, it's also important to note that I think now I don't want to be fact-checked on this, so I could be wrong. But uh, one of the provisions in the new tax reform bill is that it got rid of certain. Um, what is the word when you can deduct from your certain deductions? Yeah, deductions. Loopholes. So, so you always you have to pay a state income tax and a federal income tax. Yeah. Yes. a state like California's got a massive state yeah. income tax because they've had you know. That's why Brown. you want to live in Texas. Exactly. Or, Alabama, well, not Alabama. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, what, oh, yes. So now they've removed some of those things. So really, the tax reform is actually going to kind of screw over people living in California. But long term, the idea is to pressure, uh, pressure the governments of democratic states, which have high tax rates, to lower their tax rates. Because all of a sudden, our business is going to start seriously leaving 
uh, those states when it's against, against their interest. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind Which California is being screwed. Yeah, it's me neither. It's full of sexual predators. But they should secede. Illegal immigrants. I mean, yeah, they should. <laughs> and most of Hollywood. Like, what is there to say? Okay, Ben Shapiro lives there. I, I, think. I think California should ben secede. Ben would happily move. And then America should invade them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we've done Trump, right? right. And we've done America. We've done America. That, America. Was, that was basically him this year. Uh, and he's done well. And overall, it should be quite interesting going forward. I think the, there's there's an election in the 2018 uh, sort of elections, which uh, a whole bunch of yeah. congressional Senate races. Um, that should be very interesting. Um, that might basically tie him up and put him in a position which you would like, where he can't do anything because the Senate might swing Democrat, as might the, the Congress. Mm. I, mean, um, I don't see it, but perhaps if Bernie Sanders is the guy come 2020, whenever, whenever which is next- hilarious, he's not a member of the Democratic. Party and they keep listening to him, but he's like eighty-five. Like, what's he going to do when he's? <laughs> well, he's going to seize the means of production, Ramon. I mean, that's what he wants. To yeah, do. Mugabe was over ninety when he left power. <laughs> Let's not judge here. Ah, there we go. There's a great set. Yeah, a great set. Yeah, but he had forty years to fuck it up. Bernie's got like I'll three give years. Bernie, a few years. I think he can do pretty well. All right. So, it, what is? It, it's been a bit of a shit year for some other leaders in the world. I mean, Theresa May is in huge trouble in the UK. Yeah, she's got no confidence. Uh, Brexit is, seems to be um, a, a problem. Um, the negotiations are, are, are an issue. Well, I mean, that was the point of Brexit. If you want to get screwed, get screwed by your own government as opposed to the European one. Absolutely. And that's exactly what is happening. Uh, they're going there. And uh, there's there's been a deal in the past few days, I read, uh, and they're going to pay like forty million or forty, 40 billion, billion pounds. Yeah, forty billion pounds. Uh, but they keep it's basically orders, a divorce settlement. But they don't keep the borders, and they still got the European Court of Justice, and it's like a bit of a yeah limp. Divorce. No, you know what? I I think that the deal which Theresa May got was actually pretty good. I think if you are in the Nigel Farage camp of Euroscepticism, where you want to get out of the single market, and when you say the Nigel Farage camp, you mean the Eurosceptic who still sits in the in European, the European Parliament. Okay, but I mean that uh, Helen Suzman sat in the National. Well, was it called the National Assembly during apartheid? Sure. Are know. you comparing Farage? <laughs> no, no. What I'm saying is, you can sit in a legislative body and still, and still be, be against, against it. it. Yeah, sure. of, course you, of course you can. Now, because you get basically two kinds of Eurosceptics: you get left wing and right wing. And left-wing is Jeremy Corbyn, which is why it's freaking hilarious watching him try to criticize Theresa May when she came out with the deal. Because <laughs> he was like, thank you very much. Uh, and he was like, you could see, he was he had keen to get out, but he had to he'd stay in line with the Labour Party and criticize her. And his only critique was, oh, it, it took so long, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so why was the deal good? So you didn't because it, it made it, – it, there were three things that were big contentions. Are they going to remain in the, in the single market and the customs union and then the issue of the Irish border? That's been a big one recently and ever since the DUP yeah. has become a coalition, especially so. And she basically ensured that those – so they'd leave the single market and the customs union, which in my opinion is the whole point of Brexit so you can make trade deals with the rest of the world. And she ensured that there would be no hard Irish border. Now, to get all three of those I think is really great. If I was a conservative member of the House of Commons, I would have voted for that. Uh, I don't see a better thing on the I line. still need to see what Jacob Rees-Bogg says. Actually, he did come out. I saw. He says, "It says, Honourable Prime Minister, is your you must just uh, re redraw your 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 yes. thick red line because it's been turned pink." I think he said, "Will the Prime Minister take an extra tin of red paint the next time she goes to Brussels?" Because <laughs> I think we should just dispense with this red line terminology because every time it's used, it's never no one ever sticks to it. I, 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 it's the same old problem: people in politics with actual no balls or leadership. Um, and yeah. so they 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 will say something and then they'll always find a way to backtrack because they're 
their polling will tell them that it's unpopular amongst a certain group. And God forbid you should be unpopular amongst a certain yeah. group. Like the NHS. You can't criticize the NHS if you're a British politician. Yeah, we spoke about that two weeks ago yeah. with, with Christopher, Christopher Snowden. Snowden. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so Mugabe out. Yeah, uh, great. That's, uh, that's, uh, well, that's a good thing, but it means nothing really. Yeah, so Hitler's out, Goering is in. Yay. <laughs> no, I don't think it's quite like that. Okay, come. I think there's a tremendous moral victory for Zimbabweans in the fact that Mugabe is out. And I think there's a, you know, it's disappointing that he's not really going to be brought to justice. He's got a cushy deal. He's going to be left alone and stuff like that. And I think that's a problem. Mm. But at the same time, there was a very profound video that I watched on LBC, a British radio show, where uh, a Zimbabwean journalist, a white Zimbabwean woman who had been exiled from Zimbabwe quite a few years ago because she worked for an independent media outlet in Zim, mm. was having an interview about the situation there. And during the interview, they just got the breaking news that Mugabe had resigned. And she actually started to weep because this was how emotional it was. Um, you see the scenes of Zimbabweans dancing in the streets in Hillbrow. I wasn't here in Joburg at no, the time. No, Nick, Nicholas Bowen showed that we saw it. He was in the middle of, uh, of, he was of being, the street. He was being raised up. Oh, he was being I, raised up like yeah. Khaleesi. I thought that was five years ago. Uh, okay, well, if it was real, then sure. No, it was a new one. A it new one a, from yeah. five years ago. Yeah. He, he, he looks for crowds of black people and then goes, <laughs> he does. And goes right in the I'm middle serious. with the drone and you can see the big white spot, which is him, and then just crowds of black people. And <laughs> Adoring Nick, of course. He just, he just feels the, the adoration and adulation of the unwashed masses around him. Well, I think, put it, this way. It. put it this way, you don't get that kind of intense joy for nothing. You get that after every single fucking soccer match, Nicholas. Come on. <laughs> um, I, I, no, you don't. I mean, no, I, don't. I think, I think, I think, I think, uh, Not even Nick is, the... has a point. Yeah. Uh, but, but, uh, the, the thing is, is that there's a difference between what, what uh, people think, uh, you know, react to and, and what is clearly good. Uh, Mugabe gone is great. Yeah. Um, but, but it is important to say, well, what comes after the guy? You know, and, and it, we've got uh, elective conference coming up. Uh, well, by the time you hear this, uh, elective conference will be done. So there will be many chairs having been thrown, uh, probably a few court <laughs> challenges and other, and of course, it's Lamini Zuma or Soro Ramaphosa will have emerged victorious. We'll talk about that a bit later. Yeah. Here. Yeah. But, but the, the point, the point is, is, is that if Jacob Zuma fails, in other words, if his ex-wife doesn't become the new leader, uh, People are going to celebrate. There's no doubt about that. And if Cyril Ramaphosa takes a big move and recalls him, I can only imagine they will literally be dancing in the South African streets. That said, you've got to wonder, okay, who's who's replacing him? Who's there now? And, and no, that's, you have to wonder that it's not the person that's the problem. It's the system that's the problem. Removing the kingmaker or removing the mafia don does not mean the mafia doesn't exist anymore. Right. I think there is, however, a certain level to which we can be happy that if we were to bring someone like Jacob Zuma to justice once he's out of power. Mm. The reason is that is I think it's frankly embarrassing that we live in a country where someone like him can continue to be president. Um, imagine put – it, put it this way. Imagine if Jacob Zuma was president of America. Well, uh, he's been compared to Trump and I, 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 you know, I often find that a, a troubling comparison – um, in the sense that they, they they aren't comparable. No, I'd find that a bizarre comparison. <laughs> I yeah, must say. Um, but but he's, he's nothing worse than I mean Putin. 
this survives quite well in Russia, doing all he's doing. And he puts Zuba to shame. Zuba's like a two-bit, a two-bit wannabe dictator. You know, I know, but Putin. but I mean, nobody really holds Russia in high regard as you, this liberal yeah, but, democracy. But, but why is a liberal democracy like the? The okay. shining example. Okay. Um, maybe maybe that's not the question maybe. though. Well, we can get on to why is a liberal democracy the shining example. Um, but w- which, if you've been listening to the show for two years, um, you <laughs> would probably know the answer to. But my my question then is maybe it's not about because Putin. I agree with you. is probably way worse than Zuma, and he's very popular. Yes, but is it is there a balance? So in other words, if Zuma did all the stuff he did, stole money for his house, got his enriched his friends, all the stuff, but like education was superb. Okay, like government education was actually the best it could be. Yeah, I mean, the biggest problem Um, with Zuma… Healthcare was the best it could be. The biggest problem with Zuma is that there are those charges of corruption over his head. And he's done every single thing to weaken the state institutions so that he doesn't go to prison. Absolutely. And and that's all he's done. I wonder if those weren't there when he started, what… We would be like after two terms of his presidency. Yeah, but but equally, if he had done those things and then done positive things, people might go, "Yeah, we'll put up with the South African Putin um, because w- there's some give and take." Uh, and mm. I, I think, you know, your your view of government is they can never be provide any kind of positive. They need to go. Um, but I think I think the average well, person not all the time sure, but the average person looks at it and goes. Governments are, I agree with you, they're terrible, and a lot of people might even be swayed by the argument of like tax is theft or, or something like that, but they'll go, yeah, but there is some good that comes from it, therefore I'm going to carry on paying my tax. You know, p- people rationalize like that. Mm. Uh, so the, the, I think the problem with Zuma is that there, he has no redeeming features. I, 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 I could be wrong, but I, to me, I, he has he has no redeeming features. Well, it depends what your axioms are. Sure, it depends that. I think here's an interesting thought experiment. Would you rather have Zuma for another fifty years or Malema in the next presidency? Zuma hands down. Zuma hands down. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. So when you look at it in something like that, yeah. I mean, we're we're doing all right. Like I don't like Zuma, but I think his enemies are far more dangerous. Right, precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Speaking between between just, versions of torture. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> guess what? Guess what? Voting is like. Or <laughs> well, you wouldn't know. As, You've as never choosing voted. between gonorrhea and syphilis. <laughs> hey, it's the bit of the two STDs. An interesting yes, question. it's still an STD. Have though. you voted, Ramon? Have you ever voted? <laughs> I voted once, to you my great vote. shame, when I was eighteen. And was it for class captain? <laughs> no, I had, to, I had to vote in a local election. Was it twenty eleven? How old was I? No, I wasn't eighteen. You were eighteen in twenty eleven. <laughs> Was I? No, I was older than no, that. You no, are I a was bit much older, older than that. I was like 20 years old. Yeah, Ramon yeah. is a child protege. No, he and, was... and I blame my father-in-law. He says it's your civic duty. And he inculcated this thought in my mind that, okay, fine, let me be a citizen. So I went to go stand in the queue and I voted. And I was like, I like your father-in-law. That felt like <laughs> such a pointless exercise. I genuinely knew. And then, and then I became an anarchist. So I became an anarchist because I, because I voted once <laughs> and it had no meaning or made no difference whatsoever. To my surroundings. Yeah. All right. So, so fine. So Mugabe's gone. You're still an anarchist. We know this. Trump uh, did relatively well. What else have we got going this year? Well, there's Steinoff. And uh, I know you guys don't want to talk about this. W- w- no, we, we all talk about anything. Okay. I'd like to talk, say one thing about Steinoff. There's been a, a ridiculous outcry from, you know, left-wingers on Twitter and Facebook and et cetera that – why are we not holding private sector corruption to the same uh, standard as government sector corruption? I'm actually disappointed in you, Nicholas. We spoke about this last week. Oh, did you? Yes. No, okay. but we get your point there. So we spoke about Darlene Porfu, who's very salty that his sign off shares, like, 
Shame. Lowered in value. Shame, man. And, Poor um, guy. He yeah. must have it really rough. So the analogy – so they equate private corruption to like state corruption, except exactly. for one fundamental thing, which is choice. Nobody is holding a gun to your head and says, buy these shares. Also, Steinhoff did suffer, right? So, exactly. That's so, the point. So a whole bunch of shareholders who were billionaires and millionaires aren't anymore because their shares are now worth like not even a tenth of the value of what they were. So, well, I mean, that's fluctuating at the moment. But the point is they lost a hell of a lot. So they have been punished. Sure, people who broke laws should absolutely go to jail. They should be prosecuted. No. No, no, I find, I mean, it, it depends on the law. Yeah, all right, Ramon. But, but, but it depends, you know, if you – there are things you can do illegally within the, the fiscal environment. And I, I think that there should, seems should to be – Should insider trading be illegal, John? Or is it called gaining an advantage? Sure. It's, um, I would say that it's, it is illegal, um, currently. I don't, it's currently, it's, and it I, I, be. well, in the way it's currently illegal and the way it's enforced, yes. The only, the only reason why they should go to jail or be sued civilly is by the shareholders, which, uh, brought, which bought their shares based on false information provided by the directors or the board. That's the only crime yeah, yeah, look, that should look, be I, a crime. I mean, in terms of punishment and, and, and those types of things and, and who who has to take revenge, um, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. It's also like I've never understood the idea of putting you know Bernie Madoff in, in, in prison uh, where, where he's going to yeah. do like – Why don't you just let his victims sue him? Well, th- that. I mean you can impoverish him and you, you can make him go lecture like first-year like accounting courses, which some people might go isn't the best idea. But, but, <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying with, with, with a strict curriculum, you can make a guy like that do add some value back to society because you have to clearly be, be – Value to society. Well, there's one like – the reason I brought this thing up is because there's on, one – you add value to society. Okay, <laughs> so shut the fuck up. <laughs> Your Patreon, I think, technically would add to our GDP. Uh, if and there's an economist listening, just correct me in the comments. But there's one lesson to learn from this, and that is the way markets work is that you only get rewarded by serving your fellow man. Okay, Steinoff clearly hasn't does that. Have, have Steinoff clearly, clearly have not done that, so they're getting punished. And this is something people fail to see, and it's just the most basic principle of markets. So I would urge people to keep that in mind whenever you're debating someone who's complaining about – So what's it called when the government doesn't create value to their fellow men? It's called theft because that's what taxation is. I think it's called government. Um, (laughs) Well – I mean what value does the government give you personally, Nicholas? I mean the only reason why we we need them currently is because they have created these these, um, obligations and they – so, let's say another way. They got special privileges yes. that give you rights based on the piece of paper called the Constitution. Yeah. And, and the state is the only one that can enforce property law, for example. Yes. They're the only ones who can know, um, all the, the ownership schemes around, you know, around the country based on property law. They're the only ones that can enforce contracts. Precisely. That's now, why we need them. They've created, they created the, the principles for their existence. I suppose the one thing to mention is that uh, anarchists have put forward models by which uh, judicial systems can be done privately. I yes. must say I don't fully buy them as of yet. I think that's one function of government which is legitimate. 
Um, dispensing justice. Yes. That's, I think that's what the, I think that's what the shoe salesman says when the mafia comes to shake him up. He says, you know what? I have to give him by force my money, but at least, you know, he protects me. Well, it's a, <laughs> if people, if people just tell me it's a necessary evil, I would gladly accept it. But everyone's like, no, it's a good. Just say it's a necessary evil. I, how about this? How about can't it be a good, Ramon? Because it's based on, on so, so, so coercion. So it, it, how about this? Okay. It's good up to a certain point. It's good up to a certain limited point, and if it goes beyond that limited point, we can definitely say that it's illegitimate and immoral. Okay, which, which government is good up to that certain point? So there arbitrary point there that you put up. Maybe Liberland. If you've have you heard of Liberland? Of course, I've heard of Liberland. So maybe Liberland, uh, but at this point, I can't think of any other you know member of the United Nations. That maybe your your standards are a bit too high. Well, I'd like to try and get as close as I can. Yeah. All right, you're boring me now. Right, what else? Uh, what else happened? So, NTZ, oh, well, are we going to talk about the ANZ? No, because it hasn't happened yet, and it's kind of like it's all supposition. Here, but, but, uh, yeah? No, I was going to ask maybe a question if, if this is of interest to you guys. I know you had this on the previous podcast, but, uh, do we have any hope for the DA? Long term. No. Only if, if Herman steps up and becomes yeah. leader. I, for, for, next leader. Out of, the, out of the current crop that's there. And not Herman because he's some, you know, great being. It's because he just gets the job done. Uh, he's not, not ideological. He wants people to work. He finds great shame in unemployment. Um, and there you go. He's just a, a simple, practical, pragmatic guy. Oh, yeah. I said the P word. Yeah, you did say the P word, but, um, uh, <laughs> Martin is triggered. Um, so, so. <laughs> Long term, I'm I'm not convinced. There's even with that because the I think the ranks are too infiltrated with essentially Marxists, um, and I think that they've and they, that was made clear. Darby made that clear. Where they're they, not Marxists, they, they're worse. They were liberals. Yeah, they're chasing uh, they're chasing uh, certain votes. They're willing to lose other votes for that, um, and the way they're going to go about getting those votes is basically going to ultimately destroy the party i think there's hope for another party coming about um we had a libertarian party what the hell happened to it well i mean it's like any libertarian party around the world i mean that, what they uh, dance around naked on stage at the conference uh, well that's the thing is i think what are the the okay so with a conservative party at least conservatism is like this it's like a bit of a, a fraternal kind of ideology you can get all your buddies and a lot of them are religious so you can find common ground there the only Libertarian party I can think of in the world right now, and maybe somebody else can point out another one that has actually gained any sort of, you know, legitimacy is in Australia. There's the Liberal Democratic Party, uh, which well, has one member of the Australian Senate. Well, Daniel. perhaps the Pirate Party in Iceland. I wouldn't really call them libertarian. Well, they're quite close. They're oh, jeez. I mean, I I might be able to run if I spoke Icelandic and I was an Icelandic citizen, but I wouldn't call them. I don't think that's quite correct. They're against. Copyright law, and I'm afraid I. I'm also I can't. against copyright law. I have to be for yeah. copyright law. Well, you're as a not musician. a real libertarian. How are you against copyright law? Well, this is a property rights, don't you think? Why well, can't I own the thing I invented? Yeah, that's the basis of it. Of course, you can own what you invented. Yes, and. So, what, so do, you, do you need the state state to enforce that right for you? No, you need the law to enforce the right. So. For you. Oh, okay. And copyright so, law. Okay. Right. And then when it gets in your anarchy, you want to invite in hire private individuals to enforce the law. It's all private companies. Private companies will do the policing. Private companies will do the judiciary. That's fine. Yeah, which is like ninety um, percent of my suburb anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, so well, not the judiciary, but 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 that's the whole point. There's no that's example coming. of that. Um, but but 
you can't uh, just copyright law. You want to enforce copyright law. If I invent something, I own the invention. Okay. And copyright law is not unreasonable. It, do, it do gives you know, a period of time. Do you know of, of a guy called Amadeus Mozart? Yes, Ramon. Okay, you also know Nicholas. It's a terrible oh, he, way yes. to start. A, a, terrible a, a way composer, to start a question. right? A copyright yeah. law came about in the late 18, 1800s. Yes, Wolfgang. There you go. Copyright law came about in the late 1800s. Yeah. How can we still know Mozart if anyone could just It's not about stuff? knowing. Well, because No, how do we know that he created what he did? We just know because it's good. Yes. And people find value yes, in but it. That, it. But you don't need the state to enforce that argument, value. Separate argument. So, you creating something that's good doesn't does you don't need the state to enforce it being good. That's the market will enforce whether it's good. That's what's happened with Mozart's music. The market enjoys Mozart's music, so we have Mozart's music. You you the reason why all those artists, and this is long, often thrown back to, a lot of those artists died in poverty. Is uh, Everyone died in poverty in those days. <laughs> not necessarily, is because they couldn't necessarily own their product. They couldn't, there was no copyright to their product. It, you, it's, it's not unreasonable to expect that something that you create should have some sort of ownership to you. Ramon, what if there was a law that said, so you guys have obviously got special privileges for people who are your Patreons, right? What if – now, if you had no copy – okay, maybe this is a false – Yeah, that's uh, voluntary, my friend. Okay, no, what I'm saying is what if there was a law that said you've actually got no right to keep this away? I'm starting to think now this is actually a bad analogy and I'm going to stop yeah. before I make yeah. any stop, bad stop, mistake. Stop, stop, Never mind. <laughs> right. No, I just don't think the state should enforce, enforce that sort of thing. Um, if it's good, the market will what use it the state and enforce? they will know. Very little. I don't know how every podcast, we try and discuss the year and we've suddenly gone into, <laughs> why are you an anarchist, Ramon? <laughs> it's it's I, every single one. It's, 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 <laughs> I have to somehow. It's like I'm not so insecure in my I classical have, liberalism. No, listen, I have to make listen, everyone a classical liberal. I have liberal. to justify every single position that will happen in an anarchy. Okay. You just I? have to justify existence and and good or badness of reality. I have to justify every single thing for something that doesn't exist. Okay. <laughs> the standards are much higher on this side. On rationalstandard.com, there's a book. Yo, look at that pitch, eh? What do you mean, look at that pitch? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm giving him good advice here. And a free book. Well, yes. It's, it's, I, it's I, I wrote for you last year, and I was the number one you, rated article the whole year. So, oh, so you, oh, I see. So you're familiar with the site. All right, great. Yeah, quite. No, I'll tell you why I'm not an anarchist. It's because I read a book called The Law by Frederick Bastia. And that is basically what convinced me of a philosophical uh, argument underpinning a legitimacy for a limited government. Right. And I Which think can maybe, happen in, a, in an anarchy. Okay, now you've lost me. <clears throat> I think right. you lied. Governance can, can, can happen. Can we just ah? Yes. Anyway, anyway. So yeah. Anarchists cool. You these two are just statists. Yeah. They want to steal my money sure. to to give to I don't know what. To build, uh, to build speed house. Thank you for that straw man, Ramon. Thank you for that straw man. Um, what else do you want to talk about? Is, uh, by the way, is, is there anything else that bothered you this year? Every, everything. Anything. Uh, Shelly Garland did not bother me. That was one of the stories. That was freaking of the year. hilarious. Well, let's, as a concept, let's just say the media has really taken a knock this year as, yes. a, as, a, as a concept. Other than the Gupta leaks, which I don't know how hard they work for it. So, but kudos to those who did. Other than the Gupta leaks, and a few other like good stories, mainly around the Guptas. The rest, fuck me, <laughs> horrible, horrible. I saw just today the CEO of of Steinhoff uh, has a has a mistress in Cape Town, and this has to be national news according to the Huffington Post. Yeah, I, I, and then when you say this is garbage, they're like, oh, you're just protecting white interests. 
Well, I think that's standard feminist theory, Ramon, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yes, pretty so, standard. Someone got fired for saying that. Maybe we should get someone else fired for saying that. Oh, Black Monday was a big story. Talking yes. about media and distortions and things like that. And now, uh, so Country Duty, uh, Tumi Sole, he's the one that started with the I'm fake. not calling Tumi Sole, yeah? Well, his name's Sole. Yeah, that's what he calls I'm himself. Call him Sole. Uh, he identifies as Sole, so I'll call him Sole. Um, <laughs> I will not be forced to call people things, yes? So he's the one that, who started this uh, fake, these are the flags that, you know, the, that people are flying. And there were flags flying, but not the ones that he, not the ones that the pictures depicted yeah, in his original sure. tweets. Sure. And, and, you know, the other point about two people rocking up amongst thousands. Right. And the problem with that sort of fake news is that uh, the minister of police picked it up and he yeah. tweeted, he said some horrible words about racism and these people are all racist. Um, it was picked up by Julius, who's the proxy. To me, is Julius's proxy anyway. Um, and it was picked up by Nicholas Bauer, who got rebuked, not fired, I'm afraid. And we'll see where it goes, but I don't think fake news is going away. Well, I think soon. it's a global thing, right? So yeah. it, it doesn't seem to be a, a, a localized thing. It's happening here all the time. Uh, and sometimes there's crossover. I mean, Shelley Garland was a, went global ultimately. Yeah. Uh, but, and we've got global paper. I mean, you talk about the Huffington Post, you know, they pretty much are like a beacon for shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why we actually. No, you, you know what though? I'll go out to have it. Huffington Post has got occasional good articles. In fact, there's a, g- a guy who writes for the South African. Yeah, it's Huffington like the Post Playboy, actually. right? Except th- there's no nice pictures in between the good articles. There's just shit. Well, <laughs> it's, that's, so that's you, the problem. Who do you recommend on Huffington Post? There's a guy called Mbulelo Nguta, who's okay. from the Eastern Cape, who wrote an article. I couldn't believe I saw it on Huffington Post, but I saw an article on Huffington Post which recommended the privatization or scrapping of SAA. And I was like, jeepers, how on earth did they What a that? controversial opinion. Yeah, I know. my word. Was he, was he, I was about to say, legit. you can't say no, that. Uh, you know what? Give him the credit. Give Huffington Post the credit. Yes. Look, I'm hopeful <laughs> that uh, the media can turn it around a little bit and uh, start. That's, that's the irony. We want truthful and honest reporting, right? Yeah, absolutely. That is the point. So the thing which has become very evident this year, I'd say in South Africa and also in America to a certain extent, is that people are willing to suspend reality when it fits their narrative. And that happened with Shelley Garland. Uh, it happened, in my opinion, uh, with the Roy Moore case now in America, the Senate election that just happened. Oh, yeah. Tribalism gone amok. Uh, the whole thing was, you know, he, this guy had very credible allegations against him of child molestation and so forth. And Steve Bannon basically came out and said, you know what, this was the Washington Post who did this. So it's clearly wrong. And people are willing to suspend reality. Right. Can mm-hmm. we, can we, we, mm-hmm. we alluded to this, but yeah. let's finish with this uh, whole, which was Times uh, Person of the Year or People of the Year. The Me Too. The, basically the Me Too campaign. Um, I, so I, I hear what you're saying about Roy Moore. I, yeah. I think he was a very distasteful candidate. Um, but the the problem I have is that there's no spectrum anymore. We used to have the spectrum where like rape was the worst thing you could possibly do in terms of assault. And on the other end, like pinching someone's ass was not equal to rape, right? Right. And now it, it doesn't seem like there's that distance between those two things. And so if someone says, um, you know, I don't think that Al Franken should have resigned, for example. I think that, uh, it, 
20 years ago, 10 years ago, he could have apologized. He could have said my behavior was unacceptable. Um, he could have done all those things. You know, Harvey 40, Weinstein. 40 years ago, it was presidential behavior. Harvey Weinstein well, is clearly over the mark, right? Yes. Yeah. That's clearly over the mark. Al Franken, I think there's a debate to be had. But the problem is now, if enough people come out and say, this guy did this thing to me, then that's it. You're done. Just to sorry, clarify with the Al Franken thing, the reason he resigned is because he, he said basically he wouldn't really be able to fulfill his work as a senator for Minnesota and also go through the whole investigation. So that but, was kind but, of – but, but uh, I think that's horseshit. Uh, I know I keep using that word, but the, the reality is they wanted to put him through an ethics uh, committee. No one's ever been punished as a result of an ethics committee. There are no outcomes. Ramon's still vaping. He will be dead by middle of next year. Um, God willing. <laughs> so, uh, I, yeah, I just, I just, I, I think firstly, there's a problem in the idea of everyone must be instantly believed and the court of public opinion then takes, takes its control. Um, because there's inherent danger in that. Um, and there's this big problem in not separating the difference between a rapist like Roman Polanski, Harvey Weinstein, who is like a serial sexual assaulter, um, slash possible rapist. Yeah, accused rapist. Um, yeah. And, 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 you and know. And Spacey just touches kids. I mean, come on. There's a well, huge difference you know, between these three. And, and, and I have to say as well, some people get let off. So George Takai George is, Takei, is, yeah. is, is, is accused of this as well. And he's just ignored it. And everyone's gone, oh, well, he's ignoring it. And I like him because he posts funny shit no, on Facebook. No, but he said it was the Russian boss that did it. Yes, he did say that. That was hilarious. Um, when you, <laughs> when you blame, the, yes. Uh, there's, uh, the, the, what, Russians. Uh, those were the excuses. Russians. Um, it's, uh, I now choose to live as a gay man. I now t- <laughs> well, there was a hilarious tweet where a guy ed- uh, took uh, George Takei's Twitter account and they uh, photoshopped it and said, I now choose to live as a straight man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in South Africa, if you are under attack or, or people disagree with you, you blame white people. I know. In America, you just blame the Russians. Yeah. Well, we started to blame the Russians here as well, eh? Did you see that? Yes, for the conference. Yes. I did see that article. Yes. We're blaming the Russians. The Russians are going to get involved in our elections in the elective conference. I think they'll know better than we would, quite frankly. And the way this country has voted over certain years, I think we could do with a healthy dose of Russian. A healthy dose dose of of communist Russia. No, well. Yeah. Uh, Ramon, maybe last, maybe last like point. Uh, if you want to rail against the communists, just one last time. Yes. Pravin Gordon, most people think he is the hero of this year. Not anymore, actually. Cause I saw like diehard people who supported Pravin when he got fired for the second time. I mean, only communists have the same. It's like, they're like journalists, right? You do something really dumb and bad. And then like you get fired. Like the economy into recession. Yeah. Then yeah. you get fired for doing so, quite rightly. And then he gets rehired again in the same capacity. It's like, it's like the journalist who gets fired for publishing fake news and then she just goes to work in another publication. Like nothing happened. Like there's no consequences. Uh, but Praveen is getting some heat now because people are realizing he actually voted for Zuma in the no co- motion, whatever motion, no yeah, conference, yeah. but like five out of the six times that it was available to yeah. him. Same as my cause cause. Yeah, all, all, all of these, these people are complicit. Johnny come lately, Derek Hanacom. Yeah. So, um, no, I've got nothing more to say. What, what, what do you want to know about communists? No, I just, you know, you, I've you, helicopter you, rides. You have, uh, yes, helicopter rides for everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what that reference is, you need to do some digging. Go Final words, Nick. <laughs> 
Well, I've had an enjoyable conversation. I think 2017 has been an interesting year to learn about politics. I think we've, we, I don't think we've really had a year in which the media and the political sphere has been quite like this. So it's been interesting to watch and I hope we can uh, learn from our mistakes and improve in next year. And for Ramon's sake, uh, I'm sure Ramon will hope things will just get 10 times it's, worse. It's, it's kind of like that woke meme where you with the brains, you know? It's like the uh, brain with a small activity was like 2015, then a little bit ramped up 2016. Yes. <laughs> 2017, slightly like some flame starts or like light bolts start shooting out. And 2018 is like just going to be like, like this, 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 this central core of light. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so, as for next year, can we discuss what we're having on the podcast? We can, we can certainly. Right. Do that. So, our very first one, are we doing a solo? This is a very professional podcast. Jonathan, are we doing a solo first on the way back? We or? are going to release our special podcast first. First. Okay. So, we've got a very special podcast. Can I say who? Yeah, go Surely. for it. Go for it. Because it's, yeah. Anyway, so we've got a, a debate between. Uh, a small guy on the internet called Jordan Peterson. Uh, he's kind of, yeah, un- unknown. Unknown. He came to us, yeah. in fact, uh, to be on our podcast. Uh, so we said, okay, fine, you can. Sure. A bit like Nicholas. He just wandered in. He's like, yeah, yeah I may as well. Random guy. So Jordan Peterson against David Benatar, uh, professor of philosophy at UCT, and they will be discussing antinatalism, the idea that it's better to never have been born. In the first place, which is a very dangerous idea, and I think you will enjoy it very much. That will be released in January. Yeah, yeah, Uh, around the second week of January. Uh, And big stuff planned for next year, sort of. As you know, we we plan sort of, uh, partially. Uh, But and we've got uh, what's her name, Machta Wariska. I think that's his surname. Uh, I'm not C- even gonna, I'm gonna, see, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to me soul her name. The so. CEO of Signia, she's agreed to come on, so she'll come on in January as well. And we've got a few other guests, like big ones, which I think you will enjoy. So next year, we're gonna take a slightly different approach to podcasting. Um, but we'll let you know in the new year. We've got a few ideas. Hmm. I don't know what Roman's talking about, unless he's going to not come to studio more often. Uh, and uh, just... Hold on, listeners. Hold on, listeners. You know you know when you send a WhatsApp, you got those blue ticks and no response? That's what it feels like talking to Jonathan. You can talk to him as I, much as you, know, you want. I was just about to thank you. It doesn't register. I was just about to thank you uh, for hosting the show with me this year and hosting on two occasions when I wasn't able to make it. Two of the best shows this year, by the way. So, so, um, but they were missing something. Um, and thank you very much for listening. Thank you for being Patreons. If you are, if you are able to give us anything, we really appreciate it. Uh, it is, uh, helping us to improve the show and just wishing you a really good festive season. Enjoy your holidays. Enjoy the time off if you're not working. Are you going anywhere, Nick? Yeah, I'm off to the bushfelds. All right, good man. Don't get eaten by something. Oh, so you're just going forward? <laughs> Jeepers, that's quite <laughs> right. Not very far. When will we be back, Jonathan? Like somewhere around the 8th. The week of the 8th Are you making something. me actually... Uh, oh, it's the second week of January. Yeah, yeah. The, we will be back on the 9th time, of January. Time is a social construct. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nick. That's, <laughs> that's enough of Nick. He's done. He's cut off. Roman's cut off. Uh, this is the Renegade Report. You know where to find us. Catch you next time. Cheers.
This is CliffCentral.com.